Are you a single mom or do you know a single mom who needs some encouragement and could use some potentially life-saving or just emotion-saving resources? Well, this episode is for you and is for her. So make sure you shoot this episode over to your single mom friends. And if you're not a single mom, listen to it anyways, because what she shares will be tremendously insightful so that you can support your single mom friends as well. All right, let's jump into the show. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me at another episode with Java with Jen. I have a new guest with me. Her name is Miss Gail Showalter, and she has a ministry to single moms. And I'm super pumped to have her on here because I have a heart for single moms, and I have never had a guest on here who has a ministry directly to this um, segment of society. And I am just super excited to hear what she has to share and about the resources that she has available. I know many of you listeners are moms and you probably know multiple people who are single moms or you may be a single mom yourself. So right now I want to encourage you hit the share button and send this episode to any of your single mom friends that you have, because I know it is going to encourage them and may connect with them with some resources that will help them just get a leg up. And so thank you, Miss Gail, so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to have you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I met you online. I don't even remember how, but somehow I think someone tagged me in one of your posts. Actually, you were looking for podcasts to be on mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's how we met. So that's a beautiful look at how people support one another. Um, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and share some of your background and then how this ministry to single moms came about? Well, in Southeast Texas, where I live, They know me as the old bird with feathers of wisdom for women and a soft spot for single moms. Uh, I do a radio thing and they hear that and I get people asking me if I'm the old bird, but I am. And I have lots of years of experience, 16 years as a single mother of three children. And the three children were born in three years. So there was a lot of stress and a lot of diapers and that was many years ago. So when I remarried, um, I had a heart. It still was there with me. And even though those years went by, I thought slowly, they um, enriched me in some other ways. And I wanted to give back. So I have a home now that's nice and big and I could bring moms in. So I started having events in 2007, I started having events for single moms. We would call them days of blessing, and we would bring in a few single moms, to, enough to fit in the dining room, serve them breakfast. This was on a Saturday, and a, you'd be surprised. A lot of single moms never have had been served a meal just for them. And so there were some tears, but it was very exciting. And I had a team of women working with me and we would divide them up throughout the house. They would get a massage. They would get to go to a prayer room. They would get to visit with maybe, depending on the theme, if it was money management, we would have somebody there to help them with that. Um, They could have just visiting time with other moms who had been through similar situations and 
they we would just treat them. And and since it was a small number, we were able to get donated gifts. So they got gifts throughout the day. Then at noon, we sat down for a, a seated meal and we had a very brief uh, presentation, maybe a devotion, maybe somebody from a special social uh, agency would come and help them with certain things. And it just made a mark. I mean, they were just eternally grateful. It was a memory maker, a big memory maker for these moms. We did that for several years. And we also had overnight retreats at a retreat center that was lovely in the woods. And they had, they, they were never had to pay because people donated the money. And so they'd come in on a Friday night, we'd have a little bit of a worship time. Then they would spend the night without kids and (laughs) have a break, you know, and, and it was very spiritually driven. We always had some really neat themes and speakers and they had craft time and then they had just time to meditate on their own. And so we did those for about seven years every year. And at one point, you know, somebody pointed, I had a lot of women helping me. And at some point, one woman said to me, you know, these are great. And they were, they were really nice events. She said, but they don't have, they're not vested. They're not invested in it they leave and what happens then mm-hmm. and that after years of working with them one-on-one I began to see that the common thread was the women who had a skill or a degree who could get a good job were doing so much better than the women who did not mm. and I visited some organizations that address this and there's one in Texas that is really big and they have places where they actually have residential places for single moms, but we weren't able to do that. And I I thought, well, I can't do that. I can start small. And I remember the scripture, do not despise small beginnings. And um, so we started with one mom Mm -hmm. who had been going to college for years off and on, but never got to finish. Mm -hmm. And I'm so excited to tell you that this mom, and she's now a grandmother, finished a degree in social work, earned her way into the social work honor society, and is now a caseworker for Samaritan Counseling, and she works with at-risk teenagers in a local high school, and the stories that she tells me, she's saving lives, Mm -hmm. and so it's just, it still gives me goosebumps, but we've also gotten uh, a young lady through the police academy, and another one through uh, reg- is now a registered nurse in a local hospital. Her husband uh, died. So it is just a passion. It has become quite a passion for me. And especially every time I see one of them graduate yeah. and go out and get a job or improve the job they're in. And when you look at the numbers in the United States, there are over 10 million single mothers. And the a third of them, a third of the 10 million live in poverty. And it's very hard, you know, to pull out of that. So we're careful. We pick women that are motivated, conscientious, willing to let us interfere in their lives a little bit, you know? And uh, so we become bonded with them. And I always tell people, you know, don't judge you just don't know where these women have come from and what they're coming out of. And, you know, there are many stories about it. Uh, the one that I share quite a bit is 
because more than one single mom has told me this, they were maybe abused as young girls, physically or sexually, or both. And so by the time they were teenagers, they didn't feel like they had a right to say no. They didn't feel like they had a boundary. And before you know it, they're pregnant. And it's, so it's just a repeated kind of thing that happens a lot. And so, I mean, it would be great to see a, a uprising that says, let's take care of young girls and teach them that, that they're worthy and that they can say no. But that's another project, not my project. <laughs> but I see this a lot. And so there, there's no judgment of the situations that they're in. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, too, a lot of the I mean, the, the single moms that I know, the majority of them are single moms now because they got out of unhealthy marriages that were destructive to them. And that takes a lot of courage because sometimes it's easier to stay where it's unhealthy. At least, you know, you'll be taken care of basically, you know, than to, mm-hmm. than to take the risk of, of getting out of that. And then you have to take care of yourself, take care of your kids and deal with Mr. Toxic, you know, like, because he's baby daddy, you know? And so it takes a lot of courage for, for these women, for a lot of them to just get out of the situations that they're in. And some of them didn't ask for the situation that they're in and, um, either way they need help. And I think what I love about the ministry that, as you were describing the things that you guys do, which we'll get into that, um, what I could see is I've heard the phrase love sees a need and meets it. And love is very simple that way. It just sees a need and meets it. I remind my kids that all the time. I'm like, Hey, love sees a need and meets it. So if you're not sure what to do, look for a need and go meet it. That's what love looks like. And I I love that. That's what you guys are doing. You're meeting very practical needs. And uh, we were college ministers for a long time. and, And a lot of our ministry came down to teaching them practical things like parenting, breastfeeding. When you have kids one day, here's, here's how it works. You know, like, uh, you know, your mama didn't teach you that, you know? And so a lot of my college girls had a lot of questions, like, what's it like having a baby? What's it like doing this and budgeting? We would teach them that. And they remember those things. Those were the moments that really like impacted them because we were equipping them with some practical skills that life hadn't given them to that point. And so what are some of the practical skills that you guys do get into with your single moms? Well, in the past, we did a lot more with the budgeting. We'd bring in women who were specialists in managing money. Um, or if they have a debt, maybe uh, thinking of one that had a debt because the ex-husband put her name on and she and ran up debts, okay? That's happened to us more than once. And so h- helping them figure out a way to make a plan to get out of that and because they're overwhelmed. And some of them come to us, they almost have PTSD. I mean, they're just, they've been through so much that they don't know what, what to do next. And so that's where the life coaching helps because we say, okay, this should be our first priority and then kind of walk them through it. The, I tease them sometimes. I said, okay, I'm going to send you an email with some homework. And in that email, I'll say this week, you need to do this or this. And then kind of baby step them through those that process because they're young, most, not, well, not all of them are young, but I'm thinking of some that were, and they don't know what to do, and they don't want to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, you know, I know that I owe you this money, Uh, what can I do about it? They're afraid, there's a lot of fear, because the fear comes over from the previous experiences. Another thing I do, 
I trained years ago with Florence Littauer on the personalities. And so we do a simple uh, personality profile and it's all Christian based, but uh, it helps them to realize that my child may be very, very outgoing and like to have fun, but I'm more of an introvert. So how do I handle that? And how do, does the racial relationship work between mother and child when we're different? And so I have a lot of material on that. And like I have one mom right now that has five children. And then I have a couple of moms that have two-year-olds. So all of that kind of information goes into the family makeup and things to consider that they may not have ever thought about because they have time to, to you know, get into all kinds of things like that. So we, we, we share that with them. Um, we had, um, well, the book has a chapter on grief and dealing with um, the grief not just grief of a death, but but grief of uh, losing a relationship, losing the marriage, grieving the marriage, because, you know, that happens. It certainly happened to me. And so there's that. And then I have a chapter on prayer. And so when we have events, you know, we pray with them. Um, if they have needs, we let them know that we are a support team and that we're going to be there if they need somebody to talk to or if they need someone to pray with them um, or just to be with them. You know, if they go to court and they just want somebody to be there with them because some of these moms don't have family support and they, they may be the first generation in their family who went to college. And so they may not have understanding relatives or parents. And I've been surprised about that to see the number that do not have that kind of support and still made it through. Yeah. We like to think we have something to do with that. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you did too. Um, so, well, I'm just curious, what percentage would you say of these single moms they're, they're coming out of really unhealthy, like abuse situations or situations they just they didn't ask for it happened to them and they're having to figure out how to make life work aside from what happened to them. Almost all of them, yeah. but you know, it's a, it's the largest number. It's a majority of them. Um, and that I feel like plays to what you were talking about even before we started recording, which was when you tell people don't judge, you have no idea where these women are coming from. And, and I feel like the women you work with probably demonstrate some of the most courage and strength of a lot of people you've seen they do they they amaze me and inspire me uh, when I see what they are dealing with and what they're coming from um, and their determination not to give up yeah so when you were a single mom did you have someone who came alongside of you that did this and did that is that what inspired this ministry or was it that you had nobody and so you wanted to be that for someone oh I had family I had two sisters uh, when I went back to school uh, in, in Austin, Texas, I stayed in Austin, but on the weekends, I went to my big sisters who lives out West and um, she and her husband would take over with the kids, feed us and everything while I was just exhausted, but or studying. And so, yes, I had her. And then my other sister was there for me when I was trying to get a job in North Houston. And 
So she lived in Conroe there. And so we, I would be with her and her husband would help and her daughters. And so, and my mother, my mother lived nearby, very nearby, which was wonderful. And uh, so she was there for me. And it, it just breaks my heart when I see these women who don't have mothers or sisters or anyone to help them. You know, I had a brother and he helped. He was older than me and he was very sweet to help when he could. So, I mean, I remember the Christmas he brought bicycles, you know, for the kids. So, yes, I had that and I wanted to give that if I could to some of these moms who don't have that. I love that. So now talk to us a little bit about your book, Living, Learning, Loving, and maybe what people can find in that book and really what the heart behind writing that book was all about. Well, over the years, I have written stories, personal experience stories, um, and and they've been published in Christian literature and stuff. And so I collected those. And then a publisher friend of mine helped me assemble this book, which was first published in 2015. Mm -hmm. And then I revised and updated it, and it was published again a month or so ago. And what I did was went through different topics that I felt that single moms needed. And then I told my personal story about that topic. And each, each chapter is on one of those topics and one of those stories. And so I make it personal. I'm an open book, so to speak. And uh, some of the topics are uh, living with solitude because a lot of people fight solitude and it's very, very beneficial spiritually to experience solitude. Of course, that's in the scripture over and over. And then I talk about boundaries. Uh, I find that a lot of women, even in our churches, do not have good boundaries. And I started, I had a class at the time. And so I was going to do a series on boundaries for my moms. And I thought, oh, well, let's do, you know, we'll just do this for about six weeks going through this topic. A year and a half later, we were still on the book because it meant so much to them and it hit a nerve. They didn't really ever think about the fact that they could say no, or they could establish a personal boundary. And I mean, I even had one girl that I told when this person who's bugging you all the time keeps calling you, just don't answer the phone. Mm -hmm. It was like a light bulb went off. It had not occurred to her that she could not answer the phone. So yes, I, I do a lot with boundaries. And then courage when you go out to get a job, maybe, and you haven't had a job for years, maybe you've been home uh, with the kids or you're having to get a different job, maybe, uh, maybe you're having to uh, relearn something in order to have the job. So I talk about that and my experience with job hunting and interviewing. I have a funny story in there about that. And then being self-aware, we, we talk about knowing yourself because some women lose themselves in a marriage especially if there's abuse in the marriage and the abuse doesn't have to be being physically hit abuse can be verbal the way that you're treated and the way that you're spoken to and that maybe you're demeaned and you're don't have any confidence because of that so 
I do talk about that. There's a, a chapter about money, prioritizing money, prioritizing things, the, what you need or what you want, and the difference in the two, and um, learning to wait, being, being patient. Um, so many jump into a new relationship or a marriage too quickly. And I talk about that. Um, we talk about morals too, teaching morals and why it's important for children to understand the value system of, of doing things right. Yeah. And so this is a, a topic that could go on and on, but yes, uh, I do have a lot written about and on the radio, I do a lot about um, teaching children to have values and why certain things are not good for them. And then we also talk about having fun with your kids, making making memories, even doing simple things, inexpensive things. And I have a chapter on prayer with a personal story and um, how God spoke to me and a very scary situation. And I love that story. And then I also worked with um, children who are blind. I was a Braille teacher. And so I have a chapter on what I learned from that and how I learned from them. And so um, those are some of the things in the book. It's all about insights and encouragement for motherhood. So it's not just for single moms. It's it's for anyone who may feel the need to have the courage to go on in the middle of a bad situation. That sounds so good. It sounds like such a robust content. Like it hits so many different nerves and like pain points, I think, that that moms and especially single moms feel. So, okay. So the premise of my podcast, which we talked about is hearing God's voice for everyday life. I want people to learn, especially believers that God wants to walk with us in our life and guide us and lead us by his Holy spirit. And hearing his voice is how we tap into and, and pick up on the signals and the messages and the guidance that he's giving us so that we can walk in a journey that's in partnership with him. And so you shared that, um, you have a story in there that you particularly love where God spoke to you about a very difficult or dangerous situation. I don't remember how you worded it. And so can you share that as just a little peek? Um, spoiler, is it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, oh, um, share in five minutes. <laughs> Which story will I tell? Um, my son was in the hospital. He had a ruptured appendix. He was nine years old and he was a lightweight little kid. And it was really serious. Mm -hmm. And um, when he got out of surgery, the doctor's first words was, he is lucky to be alive. Yeah. Well, he had uh, poison throughout, you know, his abdomen and we stayed in the hospital, stayed in the hospital. They thought he was okay, went home. He doubled up in pain again. I'm, I'm condensing this and I had to go back to the hospital. And by then I was worn out. I mean, I had been in the hospital 24 seven for a week and I was like losing my uh, bearings, so to speak. And they put him back in and it was really awful trying to decide what to do because I did not want him to be suffering anymore and they found out that he had severe infections and so I had a friend come to me 
uh, and she took me to the chapel of the hospital and we sat there and she put her arms around me and began to pray. And she prayed for my son, of course. And then she began to pray for me and that I would have strength and that, you know, I would be at peace and so forth. <clears throat> and uh, words began to come out of my mouth that were almost not my words. I mean, I began to say, I am like the tree that grows by the river of waters. I am strong. I may bend, but I will not break. Mm. And I kept saying that I'm like a tree. And so then he finally, oh, he finally recovered a few days later. And um, this was a little tiny hospital in our little town. And he had gotten gifts, you know, people come to visit and they don't know what to do. So they give him money. <clears throat> so he had got a lot of cash and my <laughs> mother had come to pick us up to take us home. And he, he grinned at mom and he said, we'll be back in a minute. And he took her and he went to the little gift shop they have in the hospital. Now, keep in mind this, this, they had balloons and cards and artificial flowers and that sort of thing. Okay. So he comes back to the room with a grin on his face and he gives me this get that can you try again i'm sorry he gives me a gift siri <laughs> he gives me a gift i wish i could show it i can show it if you want me to and um it was a tree wow a golden tree and i thought you know god hears me everything may not be perfect but it was kind of a physical tangible example saying i've heard you yeah and so that was one experience i've had some others uh and that have been written up as well about my daughter finding a baby in russia oh. and that happened 20 years ago and uh it's a great story been published a couple of times but um you know, until I think until you're really relying on God, uh, not on yourself, yeah. you you come to you're much more likely to hear that voice. Mm. At least that's the way it's been for me because I'm a pretty self reliant person, and so it's only when I have been to the point of desperation and knowing that I don't control this yeah. that I hear that voice more clearly. Well, and the Lord's not pushy, you know, he, he understands his value and he's like, I'm not going to throw my pearls unless they're wanted, you know? And so I think unless we get ourselves to the point where we're seeking first his kingdom, where he's our priority, you know, and we're valuing his voice and valuing when he speaks to us and, and living with the dependence on his voice, you're right. Because, and he, he doesn't get offended about it, but he's not going to push and he's going to, he's going to let us live going to let us do our thing. But when we come, he'll speak, you know? And so I, I agree with you. Like there's a, there's a dependency that's important in hearing the Lord's voice. Um, so what encouragement would you give? I can think of a friend of mine who's in the middle of the process of, of a divorce. And, and she was just sharing with me a couple of days ago, just in tears. She's like, I just can't believe I'm going to be a single mom. And she was, she's like, I'm so scared to be a single mom. And I, you know, I was kind of processing that with her. Like, why are you scared? What's your, what's your belief about being a single mom? And she's like, I just, 
I feel like single moms are just in poverty and I don't know how I'm going to make it, you know, and she's just dealing with all of those fears that I feel like are natural and normal um, feelings of abandonment or feelings of, of like overwhelm. And so what wisdom or advice or encouragement would you give to any women who are new single moms or are looking down the, down the channel at being a single mom, um, or have been for a while and just feel overwhelmed by it? What would you say to them? Well, first of all, you use the word overwhelm. And I think that's a good word to use because that's the feeling that you have. Um, you were with somebody, another adult, in the home and now it's going to be all up to you so that is overwhelming and there are a few things that come to my mind when you ask but one of them is and it's going to sound very simple very practical but i encourage moms to have and stick with a household routine routines give us security we create your routines for our children but they've, you never think about how much security that gives adults. You know, have a routine bedtime, uh, you know, sit down with your children, depending on their age, read to them so that they know that no, they can count on that time. They can count on this is what we're going to do on Saturday. This is what we're going to do on Sunday. And then this is how our lives are going to be during the week because the kids are going through a lot too depending on their ages of course it's going to be different so routine is one of the big things that i encourage uh, for the mom seek out some really healthy friendships it's easy to get into situations and friendships that are not really good for you so avoid people who are negative people who pull you down uh people who are too uh, nosy in your life, um, pick out one or two friendships that you can do something with maybe weekly. If children are going to be with their dad every other weekend, plan if things for that weekend. Don't let it creep up on you so you spend that weekend crying. Plan something. I made a friend right away at a Bible study and I can say this, she just, she recently died, but uh, we were friends and traveled the world together, actually, um, since 1980. Wow. And one of the most unique people I've ever known, but we befriended each other and our children were the same age. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, they grew up with together uh, and we did things together. We even had our kids build a doghouse together. <laughs> you know, we would, we would make, we would be proactive and we made plans to do things uh, instead of sitting back and saying, I can't do that, or I don't know what to do, or I don't know how to handle that. So routines for you and your children, good friendships and, uh, good activities, activities that may be new to the kids, something that you may not have done when you were married. Mm. But that, doing something new in your life, um, it creates an optimism and a hope. I remember I got a piano. I wanted a piano. I never had had one as an adult. And I said, I'm going to get a piano, darn it. <laughs> and, I, and I got a piano. I still have it. Oh. Uh, so that's important. I had an article somewhere about things to do, like you're talking about. 
Um, it might have been a blog post, but I'll try to get that to you. Um, yeah, if you can find that, I'll put that in the show notes for my for my uh, listeners. Okay, I'm pretty sure I do. I've got 800, so I might have trouble finding it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, and sometimes you may need a counselor. Mm-hmm. You may need to have somebody that's an independent, objective person that you can count on to just hear you. I, I really depended on that. That was kind of a lifeline for me to know, okay, a couple of days from now, I'm going to be able to just pour my heart out to a person that's, that's wiser than me, that, that knows what I'm going through and so forth. That's confidential. Needs to be somebody you trust. Don't be hanging around with anybody you don't trust. Mm-hmm. And um, and I mean, as far as budgeting, I did a lot of budgeting and I spent a lot of time, you know, every week or so uh, filling out what I could afford that week, that month. And if my children needed shoes, how much that was going to be and when I was going to be able to do that. I remember I got paid once a month. So, so. <laughs> Yeah, it was harder than I think yeah. being able to balance the cash flow. But uh, it was a lot of planning around the money, a lot of issues around money. And um, I'm not saying I did that very well. I just I survived on what we could. You know, yeah. uh, I look back and I think, how could I have done it differently? And I don't really know because I didn't have enough money to do it differently. <laughs> That's something you have to think about and you might get some help with uh, somebody and one of the things nowadays that moms have is the internet i mean there's gosh the loads of encouraging podcasts like yours and other information that you can get the answers to and help with that i didn't have you know at those days so i think that's an advantage um Oh, I could, I could go on. on. No, I can tell, I can tell you could go on. I feel like, I feel like one of the things I can imagine whenever we do anything new, and I actually say this, I train new podcasters. And so one of the things I tell them straight out the gate, I'm like, listen, when you're taking on anything new, you're going to have feelings of overwhelm, fear, dread. I can't do this run away. (laughs) You know, you're going to have all those feelings and it's, it's normal because our brain is designed to need a map for safety. So like, even like the way your furniture is laid out in the living room, your brain needs a map to move through the living room and you'll feel safer once you have autopilot in place. That's just how our brain works. And it's just part of how we're built. And so when it's a new terrain, we can have feelings of excitement, but we can also have feelings of dread and overwhelm and all of that. And so I feel like even to encourage women that are in that place, like it won't be new forever. It won't be this overwhelming forever. You'll, you'll find a new normal. You will learn ways to, to handle it. The Lord will send people to help you. And, um, and I think in pulling from women like you who have gone before and learned so many things will help shortcut that process as well. And, and make things even easier, smoother, more manageable and not feel so alone. You know, I think that's probably the biggest thing is not feeling alone. Yeah. 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 And then the feeling of abandonment is huge for some of us, Uh, you know, depending on your upbringing, what happened in your youth, and then depending on maybe how marriage ended or whatever, that feeling of abandonment is pretty powerful. And so you need a lot of encouragement, a lot of prayer 
and like I said, a lot of people in your support system who you trust that can help you through. I mean, every minister, and I talked to some, is not going to understand divorce. You know, that's not naturally part of their lives. And sometimes they can be judgmental. So you have to be careful. You need to pick someone that is going to make you feel safe. Totally trust. So one one thing I would ask too, I feel like, especially as being a minister, I'm a pastor as well. And so one thing I run into is when we encounter people that are going through hard things and they need counseling, like legitimately need it to get healthy. The biggest barrier is the finances is because counseling is expensive. Um, And so what about even as these moms are going through this journey and their kids need counseling so that, because my biggest pet peeve is I feel like not only is the initial pain trauma, but then if we don't deal with the baggage we develop in the process, the trauma keeps stealing from us. And that's what I have a passion to help people with is, is you have to go to counseling. You have to set boundaries and do your, your own mental work and inner healing journey to help eliminate all the baggage that is unnecessary because I mean, it's maybe natural and normal to go through that, but you don't want to stay there because then the trauma continues to steal from you. And that's not okay. You have a right to live a healthy life and have a future that is healthy and full and good. And so what would you say to these women who need counselors, their children need counselors, but money is a legitimate barrier. In most communities, there are counseling services that work on a sliding scale or even we've gotten counseling for a single mom for $30 a session with one of them. So, I mean, you do um, have to look and, you know, research and try to find it. Um, And here again, you have to be careful because all counselors may not be a fit for you or good for you. So just because you go one time doesn't, you know, one or two times and it's not working for you doesn't mean you can't change. But yeah, (laughs) there are definitely places in most communities where you can find uh, counseling that is not terribly expensive. And if you call a counselor and you tell them, you know, you need something like that, they may not be the ones, but they may know an organization that is. So I always tell moms, and I repeat this phrase over and over, gather information. It doesn't cost anything. So get on the phone and make the phone calls. Gather the information in order to make the decision. Yeah, that's good. That's good advice. And with the internet, of course, it does make it easier to do that. I would even say like even you can send a private um, Facebook message to other single moms that you know of, or women who have been through something similar and, and pull from them and ask them, Hey, who do you know in the area and stuff like that? So, yeah. well, Miss Gail, um, how can I direct people to connect with you? Let's say one of my listeners wants to connect with your ministry, or they just want to see more of your resources. Where can I direct them to you? Well, I'm on Facebook, of course, but uh, I have a website and it's Gail at GailShowalter.com. That's G-A-I-L-S-H-O-W-A-L-T-E-R. And uh, the website for the ministry is S'more for Women. And S'more is an acronym, Single Moms Overjoyed, Rejuvenated, and Empowered. So that's S-M-O-R-E-F-O-R women.org. 
Perfect. And I'll put those links in the show notes. So if you guys don't remember that, you can click it in the show notes. But Miss Gail, thank you so much for a sharing your story with me. I'm inspired. I'm encouraged. I love knowing that there are people like you that are doing what you're doing, helping single moms because your ministry is so necessary. Um, and thank you for your sharing your story and for just putting your life out there to help these women. I know I'm touched. I can't imagine how much the Lord is blessed by what you're doing. So thank you so much. Thank you. Well, you guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Again, like I said earlier, if this episode meant something to you, or if you know someone who is a single mom, who is maybe going through a divorce, has been through a divorce, or is in the single mom world for one reason or another, send them this episode. It'll be encouraging to them, may connect them with some resources that will make their life and their journey a little bit easier, a little bit more enjoyable. Every single person deserves to live a life they can enjoy, no matter the hardships they encounter. So thanks, you guys, for listening. Make sure you come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen. If you want some merch, head over to javawithjenmerch.com. And until next time, we will see you next week. Love you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.